And welcome back to the Damn Podcast. I'm your host, Carter Baines. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Angie Machado, publisher of BeaverBlitz.com. I say as always, but she actually missed last week because she was overseas in Europe. So Angie, it's great to have you back. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna have you recap your trip here in just a second. But um, I also want to introduce our guest this week. So we actually, you know, we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks here, trying to bring somebody on. Uh, we threw some names out there, but um, we finally do have someone joining us this week here on the damn podcast. So uh, Brad Brown is joining us from the damn analytics squad. We're going to introduce him to you here in just, in just a second. But uh, before we get rolling, Angie, real quick, I got to know how was France? How was Italy? It was so awesome. And I know I won't bore you with all the details, but um, I will. I, I told you off air. I have run Beaver Blitz now for 16 years, and I've never traveled without my laptop. And so I just spent 10 days without my laptop. You held things down for me, and it was glorious. So um, good food, good drinks, lots of good friends, and um, I'm, but I'm glad to be back. So we are ready to go. Um, Aperol spritzes are amazing. I will say that, <laughs> and croissants are amazing too. So. All ready to go though. Let's go. I'm so excited. We have a guest and analytics is something that's pretty cool. I, I know my son plays baseball here in Sherwood and they've gotten so into analytics here. And um, yeah, I mean, my 14 year old sitting here talking about exit velo and launch angles and all kinds of stuff. So it's, it, I'm anxious to learn more about it. Yeah, Angie, you and I both got our European vacations uh, in the books over the last month or so. I got back from Greece, of course, about a month ago. Um, so we're refreshed, we're ready to go. And uh, with that, we want to welcome Brad Brown, Director of Baseball Analytics and Advanced Scouting to the show. Brad, first of all, thanks for joining us. Um, super excited to, to kind of get your perspective on you know, this new era of baseball that focuses so heavily on sabermetrics and, and kind of learn more about how, how Oregon State, um, which obviously has you know, one of the more prolific baseball programs in the country of, of late, um, how they've kind of how they and, and you have, you know, approached this new era. But um, first of all, Brad, just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, um, and, and what you do at Oregon State. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. I, uh, I am originally from Southern California. I uh, got into the sports industry. This is my 14th season in professional and collegiate athletics. Uh, prior to this, I was with the Golden State Warriors in the NBA um, and the San Francisco Giants organizations. Um, and then I came here, I got here in 2018 with coach Casey. So I've been here a little bit now, um, was there for the national championship team, which was fantastic. And then have been, uh, helping with, uh, coach Canham and, and bringing new guys on and where we've gotten to so far this season. So it's been great. Um, as far as my role with the team, uh, we've got the Dame analytics squad, which is a student-based organization, um, that uses biometric and, um, hyper, um, some, uh, oh gosh, what is the phrasing I was going to say? It's a, it's a high frequency uh, radar system that collects ball and bat data um, that gives us different looks into the game and different ways of seeing it other than the old fashioned uh, video and coaching way. So I'm um, very excited to be here um, and bring new perspective to the game and, and to Oregon State Baseball, which is awesome. Yeah, who knew that, uh, that technology and, and math and, and everything like that could be applied to baseball to the extent that it has been in the last few years. Um, I, we're going to talk more about the damn analytics squad here in just a second, but I think for a lot of people out here, for a lot of casual baseball fans that, that maybe don't get as invested into the, the numbers and, and, you know, crunching the advanced stats, like, 
um, like you do and, and like I do as a, as a, you know, stats nerd. Um, can you just kind of give everyone, you know, our listeners a rundown on what baseball analytics are, um, what sabermetrics are and, and what Oregon state specifically is doing, uh, with that technology? Yeah. So analytics in baseball has, has had three different phases. Um, the original being Moneyball, which most people hear about because the movie, uh, that was the Bill James era. Uh, that's essentially was how do we find market value for an athlete? Um, and compare their on-field performance with their market value to try to find ways to build rosters. Um, then we moved more into strategic things. It's when you saw the big shift in um, positioning of players, the, the shift era, um, as well as redefining the batting order. Um, everyone always assumed three and four were the most important, and analytics brought it down to it's actually one and two. Um, and then now the era we're in, is the player development era, which is fantastic because it actually is is useful in the college realm because um, that's that's primarily what we're here to do: developing athletes both off the field but on the field as well, and using new technologies uh, like Yakker Tech and TrackMan and Rapsodo, and we're going to go through the list. But it's uh, it's a fantastic new uh, realm where we can see a how a player's body is moving, um, how they're able to generate power. And then how are they technique-wise? We can look at that. And then if we've gotten both of our apples in a line in that, in that sense, then theoretically the, the bat, the exit velocity and the launching, all the things we talked about, those things will, uh, will be at their maximum as well. So, Brad, is, it, is this similar to like what we're seeing like the PGA golfers doing? Like a the- lot. Yeah, a lot of the same technologies were, were golf technologies. Uh, Trackman, yeah. Glass Motion, which is a bat sensor. Um, that the players will wear it used to be a club sensor. Um, K motion is a biometric feedback system that tells us uh, whether or not we're moving uh, in the proper kinetic sequence to generate power properly. That used to be a golf technology as well. Um, so a lot of golf technologies, they're both swing sports. So they transfer yeah, yeah. very well. Yeah. And then motion capture as well, which is a, another biometric or bio uh, mechanic feedback system that's usually used for pitchers also a golf technology. Got it. Got it. Interesting. So you said with this technology, obviously you mentioned the Dame analytics squad is student based. Um, you know, I'm at Goss stadium for all the home games and I see your table behind home plate kind of on the concourse there. And I, I always wonder, all right, what are they working on, on those computers? What kind of, what, you know, what are those cameras that they have pointed at the field? Um, walk us through a little bit, you know, what, what those students are doing and, and, you know, how integral their role is right now in, in what the baseball team's doing. Yeah. So our, our season as for the Damian league squad is broken into two sectors. It's the fall and that's our, our developmental time. That's when we're using those new developmental technologies. Um, but once the season starts, our focus goes entirely to winning baseball games, um, which is the advanced scouting part. Um, so it's looking at opponents. Um, we've been working on, we've already finished Arizona. We're working on UCLA. Um, so for, for them in game, they're collecting off of our two in game data sensors, which are TrackMan and Yakker Tech. Uh, when you come to Goss, there's a square black box that's on top of the press box that's TrackMan. Um, and then on top of the home dugout, you'll notice there are four cameras, two affixed on each end. That's Yakker Tech. Um, so that collects the ball from release from the pitcher to the ball making contact with the bat and then it uses algorithms to uh to uh, give us data on spin rates exit velocities 
exit angles, um, vertical approach angles, uh, anything you might want to see. I, I, we could see if there's a, a throw down to second, I can see the throw velocity of the catcher. So there are every pitch, hundreds of data points being collected from both of those. Um, so the damn analytics squad, when they're back there in game, they're, they're tagging the play results, what's going on. So I can look at a more specific ideal. I can put them into a, uh, our, our studio and we can break it down to what's going on in a one Oh count with a runner on first and it's raining outside something in that, that sense. That is, I mean, I still remember football, even like 20 years, 15, 20 years ago where film was like actually a DVD that was sent. I mean, crazy, crazy, yeah. crazy. Do you share this information with opponents? I mean, are they sharing it with you? Uh, you know, that's, it, that's part of the arms race is okay. uh, collecting data and whether or not to share it. Uh, we kind of lean towards protecting our players yeah. from yeah. sharing that data with other, other teams specifically. So we're kind of renowned in the industry as being a little more to ourselves as far as sharing stuff. Um, so yeah, not so much. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, it's just so interesting. Have, this is amazing. We have a, a, a fantastic, our damn analytics squad does a fantastic job of, of collecting enough data that we can make, uh, make gains and strides with the data we collect alone. Um, so we're not reaching out to other teams specifically. There are different platforms. There's a, a platform called TrackMan share where teams share the data. Um, we're, we're not in TrackMan share. So it's uh, it's all up to each each program how they want to do it. We're just one of the teams that don't. Interesting, and I think you know you can kind of compare that to at the MLB level with Statcast and all of these you know advanced stat databases where a lot of the stuff is you know public knowledge. It's you know it's available for everyone to go in and look. And I think um, you know as you mentioned, keeping a lot of that proprietary at Oregon State in a sport where not everybody has really adapted to this yet. Um, there's, there's definitely a competitive advantage there. Um, so I, I, you know, I wonder, and I don't know if there's any tangible way to really go in and, and look at this, but you know, how much of a competitive advantage that gives you and Oregon state over, you know, say, uh, a, a, you know, XYZ mid-major school that hasn't, you know, adapted to this yet. And that doesn't have a track man, you know, sitting above their press box. Yeah, for sure. It, it definitely, I feel, and, and most of us here feel, it, it, it gives us a strategic advantage on the field as far as developing the guys, but also in making sure that we're more prepared um, than the typical team that comes in to play us. Well, and recruiting too. I mean, can't you can take that. The it, coaches recruiting can... rules are a little different. Um, okay. We're not taking the uh, the technologies. We're not allowed to take the technologies. To... But but you could, you could tell the kids like, hey, we have this. You come here and hundred percent. I mean, I'm in our damn analytics room now and uh, you guys, I don't know if you've seen it before, but there, there's so much technology. So when a, when a student athlete comes in and they're touring the facility and there's a room like this where they can come and see and guys are watching film or looking at their information and, and developing that, that definitely is a strategic advantage for sure. Yeah. For the listeners who, who didn't just see the, uh, the camera pan that we got from, from Brad here, the damn analytics room has got all sorts of computers and LED lights and it looks really like high tech. And so um, it definitely looks the part of, of, you know, the statistics layer that is uh, that's going on behind the scenes of, of one of the best baseball teams in the country right now. But um, Brad, the, the, the damn analytics squad in particular, so these students are, are they interns or is this a paid position? And I, I think you also mentioned as well that uh, there are some job opportunities right now 
uh, if, if students are potentially looking at, um, you know, potentially wanting to join this team? Yeah, we have, uh, they are internship positions. They are paid on a, uh, on a per term basis. Um, but the, uh, the biggest thing is, is having the experience and putting it on a resume. Um, you're working on professional aspects that are beyond analytics, beyond baseball. So I always encourage anyone who's interested, not in just analytics, but working in the sports industry, uh, as a whole, just to get your foot in the door, come get some experience. Um, cause it's much broader, uh, what we're doing. Um, cause a, a lot of the aspects honestly is collecting the data, but the biggest, the, the biggest hurdle is not collecting it. It is being able to make it consumable for the athlete mm-hmm. and for the coach, um, which is, which is useful in all aspects across your professional journeys. Um, as far as opportunities, we do have opportunities. I have four graduating seniors. Um, there's, which is more than half of the squad is graduating, which is fantastic. One's already with a major league organization. Uh, two of them are interviewing this week for major league organizations. So uh, replacing them is going to be one tall task for sure. Um, but we have, uh, we're looking for some, some business students, some mathematics students, liberal arts. I have a, a psychology major who uh, is working on a, uh, a test for psychology uh, for uh, seeing how a player's psyche is going to uh, translate to on-field performance. Um, we're also looking for business majors. Um, kinesiology, biomechanics is big here as well. We have both of the major biomechanic ideals. Um, so having some, some relationships with the school of kinesiology is beneficial as well. So if you're an Oregon State student who's looking to get some on-field experience and get some experience in the sports industry, it's definitely something you should check out. Um, our uh, job links on Headspace, which is the, the broad hiring website for the university. So, Carter, dang it, you're not a student anymore. I know. I was just thinking, man, you're saying business major. I was like, yep, that was me about two years ago. Like, man, that, yeah, that's... Um, that uh, definitely would have been up my alley, but I, I know that, you know, there are a lot of students at, at this school who, you know, we, we say from, you know, on occasion of Beaver Blitz, this is a baseball school, you know, baseball oftentimes drives um, students interests in athletics at this school. And um, for anyone who's interested in the analytics side or, um, you know, finding an opportunity to get their, their foot in the door in the sports industry, uh, it's a great opportunity because like you mentioned, you know, you've got a couple of seniors who are, you know, potentially moving on to to major league jobs. And um, in today's day and age where this is becoming commonplace, um, it's a great, it's a great place to get started. So if you are a, a student at Oregon State listening right now, uh, Brad, again, the website you said was. It's on Handshake or you can see the link on any of our social medias on uh, Das Beavers at Twitter. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. There you go. Job opportunity on campus, the damn analytics squad. We're going to get into a Q&A, more, more general uh, talking analytics with Brad here in just a second after this. You're listening to the damn podcast powered by beaverblitz.com, a 24-7 sports affiliate. Beaverblitz.com is proud to be the leader in Oregon State football and men's basketball recruiting coverage. With access to the most talented and well-connected recruiting analysts in the nation, we're your source for all the latest scholarship offer, official visit, and transfer portal news. Year-round coverage of Oregon State football, men's basketball, baseball, and everything else within the athletic department makes Beaverblitz.com the all-inclusive destination for in-depth analysis of all things Beaver sports. 
Join us today with a monthly or annual subscription to gain full access to our VIP articles, team of experts, and message board. Membership also grants the ability to chat with fellow Beaver fans and gain behind-the-scenes intel in the Lodge. You'll get all of this and more, including access to all of the team sites across the 24-7 Sports Network with your subscription. So join today to keep up on your favorite teams and your rivals, too. Now back to the show. Angie, fire away. Let's, uh, what, what do you have for Brad here? Oh my gosh. There's so much because this, I mean, I'm thinking about how this could even like, are any other sports at Oregon state using this? I mean, I know football wears the little vest, but is it, is, is anybody else using this within Oregon state right now? So I, we've done work with softball. Uh, we've done work with basketball. We've done work with um, golf. Um, and like we spoke earlier, golf has yeah. a lot of the same technology. So we share a lot of the same technologies with softball and golf. So they have, they have all the same technologies um, as far as an analytics squad like ours. I, I don't, I think, I know football does for sure. Okay. Um, but it, it a just lot seems... of sports is, as needed, we'll go help out and, and see if we can uh, be of some use for them. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's not just uh, like, like we were saying, if you're a student who's interested in something specific, I, we can build internships around those experiences. So if you're interested in basketball, we can go to basketball. Um, that kind of thing. So it, it's just whoever is in need of our assistance is kind of what we're working for. So I, I remember years ago, I was thinking about you take like all the database info, like at 24 seven for football players or basketball players, but being able to somehow create analytics where it would take their GPA and maybe the classes they're taking and extracurricular activities, all of that to kind of form a better picture of what kind of student athlete you're getting. I, yeah. it, this is so intriguing to me. Carter, what do you have? Yeah, I just wanted to, you, you mentioned, you know, you can apply some of these same principles to basketball. And I know you mentioned you worked with the Golden State Warriors for some time um, at the NBA level. You know, how much has has that league kind of adapted to um, to the advanced stat era and and how much of that experience did you bring with you to Oregon State? I was on the early end of it. Um, so it wasn't it was more video based when I was there which is kind of when I got to Oregon state where we were at too. college baseball is as advanced so far. Um, even, even the four years that I've been here, when I got here, we're passing DVDs around and we were talking about it. Um, and to now have a full analytics team is, is crazy how fast it's moved. Basketball's moving the same way. It went from um, video and uh, three pointers being like cutting edge to knowing how many times a guy's dribbling and how efficient his, his routes on the court are. Um, so different technologies like Hawkeye, which is an advanced camera system technology that's fixed in most and every major league stadium and every AAA stadium, um, and as well in M- as NBA stadiums, sports view, um, gives you a broader picture. So it's definitely advanced a long ways and it's just going faster and faster. So in, in your opinion, what is the most important analytical stat that players can make improvements in their game offensively? So if, if I'm a hitter. Okay. Um, if I'm I'm a hitter, uh, in baseball, the easiest one is just increasing exit velocity, increased exit velocity increases what we expect. Our, our Woba, have you guys heard that phrase? Um, expected Woba it's a weighted on base average. So it's, it's kind of like on base percentage. It's a little different. It gives higher value to more game changing plays. Okay. So whereas you can have a high on base percentage with walks and singles, um, you'll have a higher WOBA if you have more doubles and triples. Okay. Um, so expected WOBA goes up when exit velocity goes up. Um, but that's, that's, we always say you're, you're looking at um, 
you're looking at something that's reactionary. Don't be reactionary. Exit velocity is more of a reactionary thing. It's, but does that tell you then, does it, would it tell a player, like if they have a lower exit velocity that maybe they need to work on their like leg strength or butt, like glute strength or swing speed, or is that, is that kind of what it would do then? Exactly. So if you're okay. looking at just that, you're, you're being reactionary to it. There's other things that have gone on that have led to that. Um, so ha- making sure you're uh, creating the proper kinematic sequence mm-hmm. um, is what we call it. That's the ability to generate power from the ground up. Okay. So that's firing in the proper order from your torso all the way through into your hands, um, making sure that you're firing properly. That's one of our technologies is K-motion. That's what that tells us, whether okay. or not you're firing properly, you're developing RPMs at a at the proper rate because you don't okay. want to go from really low to really high and then down to the middle. Um, but generating a nice even growth in RPM gain um, and then being able to transfer that into the bat. Um, and that's blast motion tells us that whether you're connected early, we call it early connection. Are you connected? Okay. Is your back connected to your kinematic sequence? Are you transferring that power? Um, and then theoretically, once we've gotten to those points, then the exit velocity is going to go up. So okay. if you have a low exit velocity, you're not swinging for more exit velocity. Yes. You're looking at that and taking it into account that, okay, there's something I need to change, whether I need to get stronger rotationally or whether I need to work on my timing and my technique to try to maximize that exit velocity. So, so exit velo is, it's the, the product of all of these other things that are you know going into the equation, essentially. Exactly. But the equation is body plus bat equals ball. Okay. Um, so, so, if, so if, guessing, I mean, a lot of these kids are coming in the freshmen and they have not had any proper real, I mean, this type of training. Do it's you guys... becoming more and more popular. Okay. Because a lot yeah, of yeah. The elite facilities are, but you are right. Uh, for the most part, it's, it's new and foreign to a lot of them. So, I mean, is that something that you guys start with? Like right off the bat, fall term of freshman year is working well, with their... Fall term, we'll have, uh, we have our own, uh, we, we call it man development plans here at Oregon State, where they're meeting once a month with, uh, with Braden Wells and with the coaching staff to talk about developing skills on the field as well as off the, skill, off the mm-hmm. field. We'll have different speakers come in uh, every day to talk to the guys about different things, whether it's nutrition or uh, financial, uh, being financially responsible. Um, and then we'll take a day as well. Well, we'll talk to the pitchers about, what technologies we use? Why do we use them? What do we look at in those technologies? Why we believe they're important? Why the coaches believe they're important? And we'll do the same thing with the hitters. So they'll get an introductory like that. Um, every guy has their own database of uh, products and technologies that they utilize for themselves so they can come grab their blast cap if they're going to go swing in the cages. Um, Travis is, is big on that. Um, and then on top of that, we try to uh, we do what we call metric monthly. Um, especially in the fall where we'll post uh, a hitter metric and a pitcher metric on the walls throughout the locker room with a a new stat. Um, And they can read about it and learn about it. I usually throw a QR code to a YouTube video if they want to go watch that. So just trying to, to give them knowledge of, of what we're doing and what the philosophies of the coaching staff are with the technology. I'm sorry, Carter, I'm going to jump in again because I have another, this led to another. So like, does this help with injury prevention then too? I mean, like if you have a pitcher, and you can see their biomechanics. Are you able to maybe stop something before an elbow gets tweaked or? Yeah, 100%. It's, it's yeah. part of that. It's not only um, prepping to make sure their body's moving properly, but um, 
are they sleeping enough is something we track oh, wow. grip strength jumps mats uh, we work really close with mike and reeks and jeremy ainsworth our strength conditioning and our athletic trainer um i i probably work with them more than most of the coaches um in season especially to make sure that they're not fatiguing and we're not putting them in a situation that might be harmful to them so yeah constantly monitoring uh, i'll get a text message we're talking about what the damn analytics squad does every game mm-hmm. And they are monitoring those metrics, tagging them, but they're also monitoring um, a couple of different metrics that we look at for uh, that point directly to fatigue and injury okay. risk. And wow. I'll get a text message mid-inning after a pitcher comes out where he was at looking for dips that might point to injury prevention things that we need to deal with. It's, this, is, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's beyond me how many, how many different things can be so connected Um but I think, you know, it goes back to your point about why you're looking for students to join this, to join the squad with um, such wide backgrounds, you know, the, the kinesiology aspect of it, the, the math aspect, you know, all of these things um, playing an equally important role in how hard somebody hits the ball or, you know, what their launch angle is. Um, the fact that, you know, all of these things are working together in conjunction. Um, it's, it's really cool to, you know, to know that, um, that, you know, you can have one element of your swing, um, that, that isn't, you know, that isn't firing on all cylinders and you can go in and you can pinpoint that, you know, that it's, you know, your, your lower body strength needs improvement, your, your stance, you know, you can pinpoint where that comes from, but I want to go back to the, the point we were, we were talking about, uh, exit velocity just a minute ago. Um, so you look at a, a pure power hitter like Jacob Melton this year, who's, you know, just absolutely mashing the ball. He had that home run over the right field bleachers a couple of days ago. Um, and he's a guy who I think of as, you know, if college baseball had a database like MLB does with StatCast, where you can go in and, and track, you know, every batted ball event, um, he's, you know, he's, he's got to be one of those guys that would be at the top, right? As, as far as, you know, who's hitting the ball the hardest in college baseball, would that be, would that be fair to say? Yeah, I would, I would easily make that statement. He, he pretty much um, sits in the triple digits. Um, Major League average is right around 99 miles an hour. So, I mean, I, I can't honestly, in, unless it's a soft rollover, which he, he occasionally does, but the majority of the time, line drives, that double he hit yesterday was over 102 miles an hour. The home run we spoke about, um, the BB core bats we use are uh, regulated to try to keep the ball under 110 and that popped up at a 111. So if you're talking about just pure exit velocity, he is he is absolutely mashing balls, which is uh, he's so long and lengthy and generates so much speed. It's impressive and it's, it's kind of he's a, a freak athlete for sure. One of those guys that kind of defies the numbers a little bit, doing doing things that a BB Corbat shouldn't let him shouldn't allow him to do. Yeah, someone um, someone that strong also shouldn't be able to run that fast. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's another element. I, I think you know, I wanted to touch on the speed of a lot of the players we're seeing this year. Uh, Justin Boyd comes to mind, Travis Bazana, of course. Um, when you're measuring speed, you know, when, you, when you're measuring, you know, how, how quickly a guy's getting out of the box or, you know, the, the amount of time it takes him to get from first to second on a stolen base attempt. Um, what, what does that tracking look like? You know, are you, are you, again, to go back to the, you know, the kinetics of it all, are, are you looking at, um, you know, the amount of like the amount of torque they're creating with their lower body. I mean, like what, what, are, what are you looking at when you're tracking somebody um, on the base paths? Yeah, that's a, uh, it's a strong strength and conditioning ideal. Um, something Mike and Reeks, our strength coach, uh, as well as Braden Wells are, are constantly tracking. You'll see them at the end of the dugout with their stopwatches 
timing every time a ball's pitched. Um, so yeah, it, as far as other tracking, there's, there's machines that uh, strength and conditioning will use um, in the fall where they're tracking where they're at um, through the timing. And then also the jump mats also speak to that as well. So it's not so much of a, a damn analytic squad ideal. That's the speed gain and the athleticism that's all coming from our strength and conditioning department. Who's done an amazing job. They're doing it's incredible how much uh, speed we do have this year. How much does weather play? I mean, we're, we're in Oregon. It's been rainy. Um, how much do you have to go in and maybe manually tweak some things because of rain, wind, cold? Yeah. Uh, the, the, the systems already are, are most worried about not wind, but gravity, honestly. Oh, okay. Um, so, um, induced vertical break is something we talk a lot about with pitchers. Um, how much spin you're creating and how much spin is generating. And that creates vertical rise or okay. it maintains plane is the thing okay. everyone talks okay. about. Um, that's a, a race against gravity. Okay. Uh, the systems themselves don't really, don't really account for weather. Okay. okay. Um, so sometimes if there's an outlier, uh, we, there was a home run that Justin Boyd hit a few weeks back. Yeah that the system said was, was short feet short of the wall. Yeah. Uh, the wind at that point, I believe was a uh, much over 20 miles an hour out in that alley and just carried it out. If you backspun a backspin a ball correctly, it'll, it'll stay in the air longer. Um, and he somehow got a ball out that 99.9% of the time, it's probably a fly out, maybe a double. Um, it's not a home run. So okay. uh, I, uh, I, I not to interrupt you. I, I remember that home run very clearly because everyone in the press box, um, you know, we see when the Dame Analytics squad tweets out their their graphics saying, you know, this ball carried 365 feet or whatnot. And we're crunching the numbers in our head and we're saying, okay, well, that wall's at least 380. Yeah. So how does that work? <laughs> um, I, I was curious, you know, what was you know, what was your perspective on that? Knowing that, you know, it's, it's the product of just an equation, right? So I imagine you're probably taking taking into account the exit velocity, the launch angle, um, and then maybe the spin rate of the ball coming off the bat. Is that, is that kind of how you would determine the the projected distance of a home run like that? Yep, exactly. So um, you're, you're thinking spin rate for a pitcher, you want it really high, right? Spin rate for a pitcher, the higher it is, the more movement it's going to have. It's the opposite for a hitter. Um, you're looking to keep the ball under 2,000 RPMs. Um, it's kind of similar to a golf ball. If it has too much spin, it's going to balloon on you. It's not going to travel as far. Um, so you're looking at not only is it hit at the proper logic angle where it's not too high, not too low, but it's also the spin that it is carrying is a backspun uh, ideal that's under a specific RPM. Uh, that's what's going to create the most distance. Um, the same thing you can, you can tell based off if it's top spun, it's not going to travel as far. Um, even if it's hit higher or lower, it's, it's a whole combination that's built into the algorithm that Yakker tech and track man have put together that create this, uh, the distance ideal that you're seeing. Interesting. So while we're talking RPMs, Jake Fennig throws a curveball at over 3000 RPMs the other day for, for a strikeout. I, I don't know, you know, like, I don't know how to calibrate my mind around like what a high RPM number would be for, for a pitch, but I have to imagine that that above 3000 is probably, you know, nearing elite, right? Yeah. Uh, honestly, above 27, 28 is probably elite. 3000 is, wow. is in a, in a stratosphere. So it's impressive. Um, each pitch has a, a specific, uh, a spin rate that's kind of associated with it. 
a curveball for most pitchers is probably somewhere between 25 and 2700 RPMs. So 2800 RPMs is a lot. 3000 is, is, is crazy. That's <laughs> a ton. Um, so the, the same is, is the same with fastballs. If a fastball is an average one's 21 to 2300 RPMs. So if you're looking at a guy, Nathan Burns, you guys remember last yeah. year, yep. Yep. he was well into the 27, sometimes up in the 28s with that fastball. Um, and so when he got it in the zone and it was above the hands, there's it's maintaining plane has so much induced vertical break that it's, it's tough for hitters to even get a, a piece of it when it's in the right spot. Um, and, and, and taking this to like a, a current events standpoint, you see MLB cracking down on the quote unquote sticky stuff. I imagine the pitchers, you know, probably more so than, than maintaining control. They're probably, you know, they want something sticky on their fingers to increase spin rate. Is, is that where that, that idea comes from? That's exactly there. There are many tests that show that sticky substance is adding more spin and more spin equals more movement, more movement makes it harder to hit. Um, so yeah, that was the whole thing is, uh, from major league baseball was taking the pine tar away. It'll lower the spin rate more contact, more consumable product for the, the fans for sure. So sure. a, a 3000 RPM is basically an unhittable ball. Uh, if it, it's in the it's zone, right, everything has to be in the right spot. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. It, you're talking about a, a ball that's moving a, a ton, both a ton. vertically <laughs> and horizontally in order to that's generate that crazy. much spin. So and I know if, you, if you add on to it too. It, you're thinking everything you're trying to be as far away from average as possible. Yeah. So average pitcher is six, two average spin rates, 26. So Bennings, Jake has such a high release point because he's so tall and he's so long. It's an abnormal point where the ball gets released from him already. And then you add in the spin on top of it. And it's just, it's so abnormal from anything anyone ever sees. It's, it's a tough pitch to hit for sure. Wow. So I know you said that you kind of keep the information in-house, but do you share with MLB scouts that might be looking at your guys? I, everything's run through the players and their representative. Okay. If, if a team reaches out to us, I'll reach out to the player and he'll reach out to his representative. And if they, they decide they want to share, I'm, I, I do share. Um, it's, it's all up to the player. It's, okay. it's there. As far as I'm concerned, it's their information. It's their yeah. data. Yeah. Um, trying to make sure that we're protecting them as much as possible, exactly. whether it's from our opponents or from a major league franchise. Yeah. Cause there's probably some numbers that you, they don't want out maybe necessarily, you know, maybe they have, they're working day, on they it. They're, yeah came down they just don't want it out it's it's all up to them um what other pac schools have an analytics squad similar to what you guys have um pac-12 i'm not actually sure of one. Oh, really okay i know santa barbara on the west coast has okay. one that's uh pretty reputable i know oregon has a couple of of analytics students as far as a, a six seven man team i i don't believe i do believe we're the only ones on the west coast and what? on on a on a broader scale, college baseball wise, you know, I, I, as far as I was aware, at, at the time that the damn analytics squad was, you know, that came to fruition, that was the first time that I had even heard of analytics being used at the college baseball level. Where, do you know off the top of your head if you guys were like some of the very first to get in on it, or you know, has it had it kind of taken roots maybe on the East Coast or in SEC country or anything like that beforehand? Uh, when I got here, North Carolina had was was making some noise with an analytics team that they had, but it was based off of strategic analytics, not the developmental analytics. Um, the University of Iowa has a, a pretty broad analytics program. Uh, Wake Forest as well, um, and then uh, from there, it's it's all 
every school has it now. It's kind of become the industry standard. So as far as SEC schools, the majority of them have the same technologies. Um, as far as teams go, I, when I got in, it was Iowa. It was North Carolina, uh, Wake Forest, and then some at Penn State. Um, Florida has all the, the same technology, but it, it's all East Coast. As far as West Coast, it, it's pretty much us. A lot of the same school, a lot of the schools have some of the technology as far as a team that, that does everything that we're doing. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty rarefied for us. So I do know Santa Barbara does. I, I've spoken okay. with their team for sure. So for a fan, like I know one thing, Oregon State, it's always talked about what they need. Like does football need a new stadium? Does, do you guys, can fans donate? I mean, is there something you guys need? Is there, um, any way fans can kind of help out get involved or are you guys set dialed in and, and cruising? We're, we're in desperate need. We're completely funded by the fans and our dugout club, which is a fantastic group of individuals. Um, the biggest new add on we're building a new hitting facility in center field that we're trying to work on. Um, right now we're renting a space from in milk Alexander that we've used for years, but having our own facility in center field is, is, is the next big project at Goss. Um, and that's, coming hopefully this summer, maybe next summer, we're trying our best to get it done. Um, but they, uh, that's going to be need to be outfitted with all new technology. Okay. Um, and then changing the uh, Mick Alexander facility into a, a pitching lab, our own private pitching lab um, is also a new thing we need. We need pressure plates for the mound. We need motion capture. Um, and then the biggest thing is we need, we need scholarships for, for the Damian Lake squad. There is a small scholarship fund, um, but it doesn't pay them nearly enough for everything they're doing. So um, we're working on trying to get an endowment for the analytics program. We've been working on that for a, about a year now, uh, making some headway on that. But if anyone's interested in donating and helping us out, uh, you can go through the dugout club. That's a, a great, a great way for us to do things or through our Beaver nation. Um, either aspect um, would benefits us tremendously. Awesome. This is important stuff, and I yeah. think at Beaver Blitz, we're we're gonna we're, we're gonna make sure to to make note of these things because you know fans are always coming to us asking you know what can what can we do as a collective fan base to to help you know this athletic department and certain teams take the next step and and I, I think if if they're aware of of these things that you know the athletics department is saying you know we need this this is something that we need in order to remain competitive on a you know Pac twelve and national scale. Um, the, the, the fan base is, is ready and, and, and willing to contribute. So we'll promote that for sure. Yeah. And, and Beaver um, Blitz fans are like the most loyal. And I, and I know, so I spent six years as a fundraiser in the, it was our Beaver nation or it was Beaver athletic scholarship fund at the time, but yeah. you know, that was all focused really on football. It was all, I mean, we all know football drives the rest of the department, but um, I know Pat Casey had to do a lot of his own fundraising and, and a lot of very wonderful families that I worked with did a lot of great things. I mean, the Bernie and Sue McGrath clubhouse and the, or the press box, and there's some great families, but Beaver fans, I think we could get something going on blitz in the lodge and, you know, at least direct them to the dugout club to help you guys out. They're, they're always looking for new members and, and there's, there's many ways to donate to us. Um, and that's, that's probably the best way. If you're looking okay. for to help on the field, uh, feeding the guys is also a big thing for us, making sure they're properly uh, fed and having the right nutrients. And all, all of that is worked through our dugout club. They do a fantastic job. Wait, 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 wait. So they're not like, since they're not on full scholarship, are they not getting like full training tables? They get full training tables, oh, okay, they get okay. meals, but it's, 
it's not one, two, three meals. It's yeah, like four, yeah. five, six meals a day that they're yeah. needing to, to maintain weight with, with how much work they're putting in on the field and off yeah. the field and with class and, and everything else. So it's, it's a constant making sure yeah. they're fed enough. Well, and good food and not pop ramen and McDonald's. <laughs> Very <so>. true. <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, I think one of the things that, uh, you know, that, that we often forget is, you know, a lot of these baseball players are not on full scholarship. You know, you you look at a a sport like football and and men's basketball. And, you know, I think, I think people just kind of take for granted the fact that, you know, these student athletes are getting all the assistance they need, but the reality of the situation in, in baseball is that a lot of these guys are on half scholarships or quarter scholarships, um, you name it. So any way that, that, you know, the fans out there, members of Beaver Nation can contribute, um, know that you are making a, a very tangible impact on, on these student athletes lives, but also the development of the program, because, you know, as, as I'm sure you would attest to the you know, things like the Dame Analytics squad probably wouldn't be in existence without the, the dugout club and, and our Beaver Nation and, and, you know, the generosity of a lot of the Oregon State fan base. Absolutely not. I, 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 they put me through school. Yeah, we would not exist yeah. without the dugout club and without all yeah. the fans, for sure. Awesome. All right, well, what? we've got a couple more questions for you here. We're going to step away from uh, the analytics stuff and get more into your experience. Uh, as we wrap things up, we want to get get you out of here um, and, and don't hold you for too long because I know you got practice tonight, like you mentioned. <laughs> but um, I, I know the answer to this question already. I, I, I know it's going to be the national championship in 2018, but your favorite memory thus far working in the Oregon state baseball program. I mean, I mean, you know, with this team, you know, it, it gives you so many great experiences because of the success um, and the success that, you know, the, the program has maintained, but um, does anything come close to topping that 2018 ride in Omaha? I mean, I, I don't think uh, my heart's, beat faster than when Caden hit that ground ball through the six hole. Um, I thought I was going to pass out. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> yeah. So as far as I, I don't think anything tops it. I, I think there are, are little tidbits and memories um, that come up and that, that like you hold on to a uh, drop, the drop to foul ball. The drop foul ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Heart wrench. And when it went up, it was kind of like you, you start to feel the pain. And then it falls and it's, oh, okay. <laughs> um, that one's big. I remember specifically the, 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 the double header at TCU last year was one of my favorite days at Oregon State for sure. Um, the walk-off, how resilient we were versus TCU, that was a special day. Um, and then you have different memories with different people. I remember – um, 2018 in the regular season, like having a qu- conversation with Stephen Kwan being like, Stephen Kwan's a dude cause Stephen Kwan's a dude. And now he's in the big leagues doing his thing. And that's awesome. Um, awesome to see. So you have those memories and those, those core memories for sure. But I would have to say definitely, uh, the draft parties with watching the guys get drafted. That's always fun. Um, with Adley and we had Nick and Caden and Trevor and those are our special memories. Um, our time alone away from the field when we're doing camping trips together. Those are always fun. Um, yeah. So the national championships, uh, definitely a highlight, but there also are different memories you pull that are, that are special that you always cherish. So for sure. Um, I, I can sense with this team that uh, there are some more of those memories coming up. I, I think this is, it's very clearly a, a special group and um, obviously they're, 
they're peaking, I think, in my opinion, at, at the right time here is uh, as the postseason approaches in the next couple of weeks. But um, f- from your perspective, obviously, you know, you're, you're around the squad all, all the time. I, I wanted to get your perspective on the pitching staff in particular, because I, I don't think I don't think there's a single piece of this team that has been more important to the recent success than the development we've seen from the bullpen and, and from Jaron Hunter in that Tuesday night role. Um, the improvement that you've seen from those guys, particularly in the bullpen, how much of, of a lift do you think that's given this team? It's, it's a saving grace. Um, it's, it's, but it, honestly, it's a, it's a full team effort of knowing that you can go out there with your best stuff and the offense will be there. And having that defense behind you is, uh, I'm sure, something that uh, is invaluable for them as well, knowing that I can, I can fill up the zone and somebody behind me is going to go get it if it gets put in. Um, so that's, that's, yeah, the, the whole team as a, we're clicking on all cylinders right now. It feels like the, the bullpen's on the starting pitching's on defense is great offenses. Yeah. It's, it's a, a special team right now for sure. How packing onto that. And I know we got to get you out of here, but one thing that Pat Casey and Mitch Canham have done is really get this team. I mean, they create teams and they create family. How do they do that? I mean, what is the secret sauce there? Is it just recruiting and getting guys that believe or um, I think just the type of guys they are? I think it's a lot to do with the type of human beings they both are. Um, they're definitely the guys that bring you in and give you a hug. They're, they they treat you like family and, and it rubs off on everybody. So it's one big family. We're all hang out together. We're all each other's best friends. So it's, it's awesome. And it's, and it's based off of the type of men that, that lead us for sure. Speaking of Case, you obviously spent the 2018 season with him. His his final ride, he goes out on top. And then uh, this this past weekend against Oregon, before the game on Saturday, he comes back. You know, it's a packed house at Goss, the, a record-breaking crowd. Um, and, and you recognize his jersey and, and put it out on right field. That ceremony to you, I, I know your time with with Case was limited to just one year, but um, but to see him come back and get that recognition, how special of a moment was that? Yeah, it was, it was incredible. And to see him out there with his family, his grandkids and everybody else with him, Um, it was, it was special for sure. Um, A lot of us, all of us on staff were with him at certain points in time. So we all have our own memories of case and, and to see him in that moment and how, how much work he put in to get to there. uh, It's, it's, and in the cathedral of baseball that he built, Um, you look at pictures when case got here to what this place looks like now and it's all based off of his hard work. It's, it's impressive. So back when I, w- I was a student there until 97 had yeah. friends that played baseball and yeah, I mean, you could be at Dixon and watch baseball games because that none of that was built. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. I'm sure when, when case took over the program way back when uh, he probably didn't envision, you know, standing on the field in front of 4,000 fans, getting his, his Jersey posted out on right field. Um, you know, obviously I know case was, is never one for, uh, for, you know, recognition or anything like that. He never wants to be in the spotlight, but, um, I think it was pretty cool to, to see him come back and, and, and receive as much honor and, and thanks from, from Beaver mate, from Beaver nation as he did. Um, Angie, do you have any other questions you want to throw at Brad? No, before I, we get out I think here? we, we've heavily taken up. I appreciate all the time that you gave us and the info this is super intriguing. Awesome. Probably led to like 10 other questions, but um, <laughs> well, it's, it's I'd awesome. On again, if you guys ever have or would be willing to have me, just let me know. Awesome. I, I can awesome. guarantee you the two of us are going to be thinking about this. For I, a know, while. I, think, I know. I really <laughs> wish we asked Brad this question. 
Um, and, and, you know, the listeners, um, they always engage with us after, after the shows. And I I can guarantee you, um, they're very grateful for your, for your, uh, your generosity with your time to to join us today. And, um, they'll probably have follow-up questions that they'll want us to ask in the future as well. So we'd love to have you back. Um, but until then, our, our most, our most grandest of, of thanks for Brad Brown, uh, joining us today. Uh, we want to thank you, the listeners and, and the viewers on YouTube as well. You know, we, we're not live on YouTube this week. Um, we're going to, we're thinking we're going to jump back and, and, and do the damn podcast live again next week. We've been kind of working on some uh, technical rebranding type things behind the scenes. So we're really excited to get that out there. Um, so we hope to be back on YouTube next week, but um, in the meantime, and we, we definitely thank you for, for listening on, on Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Apple podcasts, where you can listen um, this week, Brad, you, uh, you and the baseball squad will be taking on Arizona big series as, as the PAC 12 conference, uh, race starts to, to kind of wind down. Um, I, myself, I'll, I'll be in Cleveland actually this weekend for a, a quick little vacation, uh, going to a friend's graduation. So I will be away from Beaver Blitz kind of for the next few days. Angie will be running the show. Um, Angie, I feel like the two of us have been going back and forth between mm-hmm. traveling and filling in for each other but you are going we are sending you down to scottsdale for the pac-12 tournament so you'll be down having some more baseball for us that is true i am definitely looking forward to uh to that arizona weather getting out of what has been a very very long winter in spring in in corvallis but until next week when we return for another episode of the damn podcast you can follow her on twitter at angie machado one you can follow brad and the damn damn analytics squad at das beavers and myself at Carter Baines. Thanks for joining us for another special episode of the Damn Podcast. Thanks to Brad Brown for joining us, and we will talk to you again next week.